بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد فان احسن الكلام كلام الله وخير الهدى هدى محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وان شر الامور محدثاتها وكل محدثه بدعه وكل بدعه ضلاله وكل ضلاله في النار uh, so in today's lesson we start a new lecture by Sheikh Ubaid hafizahullah ta'ala and this section or this chapter is titled al-hath على اغتنام الاعمار والاوقات في الاعمال الفاضله which translates as encouragement the encouragement to take benefit from one's life and one's time in doing virtuous deeds virtuous deeds right so basically an encouragement uh, to us all to uh, make use of our lifespan the time that we have available in order to accrue accrue right to acquire and to build up virtuous deeds the good deeds the virtuous deeds and so before we enter into before we enter into the, the the topic i just wanted to mention that this is how a believer this is our person a person of iman a person of belief how he views his life his life is one of acquisition of good of doing beneficial righteous rectifying deeds right because the deeds these actions these virtuous deeds that we are pursuing that we are trying to accrue these are deeds which are beneficial and rectifying to the, to the soul to the soul to the heart to the heart and in one's conduct in one's behavior and likewise upon the society this is the nature of the deeds that we are speaking of these deeds are deeds which are beneficial they are beneficial they are rectifying right within them there, there is rectification so when a believer when he views his life and his time and his you know his his pursuits this is what he pursues and this then leads to optimism optimism means that you have a good positive outlook right you are looking into the future because you believe in allah you believe in uh, you know you believe you believe in the last day you believe in resurrection you believe in accountability basically you this this is what the prophets and messengers came with which is life is meaningful life is purposeful there is wisdom in creation there is a purpose behind creation there is you know justice there will eventually be absolute justice and so therefore a believer in his life he knows and he prepares and so he pursues good deeds he wants to acquire good deeds and tied to this is optimism 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 means to always you know to to have hope and to think good of what's what's coming in the future to think positively to anticipate that things are going to be good and fine and positive and this is what drives a believer in his action it brings about hope right because we hope in allah and we hope in his mercy 
and we anticipate reward. And I wanted to begin with this to contrast this with pessimism. Right? So on the one hand, I spoke about optimism. And on the other hand, there is pessimism. What is pessimism? Pessimism is you have a negative outlook. You always anticipate the worst outcome. You are always unsure. There's doubt, uncertainty. Over here, right over here, there's there's certainty, yaqeen. You know you have a Lord. You know you have a purpose in your life. You know that there will be absolute justice. You know there will be accountability. And so therefore, you know, you, you have hope and you are optimistic and you are certain, you have certainty as well. Right? You, you have certainty in what you believe and what you pursue. On this side here, there is pessimism. Pessimism means doubt, uncertainty, fear, negative outlook. You always have a, a negative outlook, right? You always think the worst thing is going to happen. And so on this side, if you, th- this pessimism is what is found with the people of disbelief. In particular, the atheists and the materialists and you know people, the naturalists, the people who do not believe in purposeful creation, in a meaning to life, in a purpose to life, in you know wisdom and justice, they don't believe in these things. And so therefore this brings with it pessimism, Pessimism, and tied to that naturally is going to be despair, right? Despair. Contrast that to what's over this side, right? Optimism, optimism, you're optimistic, you anticipate good. You therefore have hope, you have hope. On this side, there is pessimism, very negative outlook, a very bleak outlook, very dark, very gloomy, right? Full of uncertainty, full of doubt, full of pessimism, full of, full of despair. And the contrast between these two, I want to read to you, um, I want to read to you some statements from some of the people of disbelief, from, from the atheists, and from you know, the, the philosophies which they have today, the philosophies, right? The philosophy of nihilism and the philosophy of existentialism, right? These are some of the main philosophies today that drive uh, the people of disbelief, the atheists, the naturalists. I'll explain what these are. What is, what is nihilism? Nihilism means that you reject all moral principles you reject the notion of religion. You reject that there's any meaning to life. There's any purpose to life. You know, uh, there's nothing of this sort. No morals. No principles. No purpose to life. No meaning to life. Right? It's it's it's. You know, you have a blank slate. There's nothing. Right? This is this is nihilism. Right? Then you have like existentialism. Right? This means that. What this basically means is that that because um, there's no purpose, there's no meaning to life, each one of us has to now create his own purpose. Do you understand? He has to create his own purpose in life, which he's then going to pursue. And that purpose is the truth for him. Right? Every person has his own truth. Your truth is your truth. Your truth is your truth, right? So, for example, if I decide, if I, if I decide, my truth is, you know, there's the, a lot of weak and ignorant people out there, so I'm going to, you know, uh, uh, you know, take take their wealth and uh, find ways, you know, and this is my pursuit of, of happiness. This is the way I'm going to be happy in my life and feel self fulfilled. 
I'm going to acquire riches by 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 means of violence and you know uh, things of that nature. That's that's my truth. That's my truth. That's that's the truth and the meaning and the purpose of life as it exists for me. And you can't tell me it's wrong. You can't tell me it's wrong because there's nothing to say it's wrong. Do you understand? And so this is this existential nihilism, this general philosophy. You can now see what kind of what kind of society it produces, what kind of individual it produces, right? And also, as I mentioned, that if you believe there's no meaning to life, there's no purpose to life, there's no objective to life, then you're going to have a very negative, very bleak outlook, a very pessimistic outlook. Which is why this type of way of thinking, it, it encourages the most evil deeds. It encourages the, the most, um, you know, the, the, the most evil of traits. It brings out the most evil of characteristics in people. Alright? And I'm going to read to you, like I said, I'm going to read to you, uh, some statements here, uh, to show you this type of pessimistic attitude that comes with with atheism, materialism, nihilism. Right? These people have nothing to live for. Right? There's, there's, no, there's no meaning. So an example here is, you, you all know Richard Dawkins. Richard Dawkins, right? This, uh, atheist. Um, he said, he's writing uh, a couple of decades ago, and he says, and I'm quoting verbatim here, he says, a foreign publisher of my first book confessed confessed that he could not sleep for three nights after reading it. After reading it. So troubled was he by what he saw as its cold, bleak message Others have asked me how I can bear to get up in the morning. A teacher from a distant country wrote to me, reproachfully, that a pupil had come to him in tears after reading the same book, because it had persuaded her that life was empty and purposeless. He advised her not to show the book to any of her friends for fear of contaminating them with the same nihilistic pessimism. You understand? Right? So when you read the books of these atheists, and they basically, you know, they are saying that there's no purpose to life, life is meaningless, there's no real right or wrong, there's nothing really objective to pursue, right? Then you think, then, you know, obviously, like, when a person reads that type of thing, and they wake up in the morning, you think, well... Why have I got up this morning? What am I pursuing? What am I doing? Like the, the meaning has been taken out of your life, right? Now, um, okay. So keep, keep this in mind, right? That this, this is what these types of books they produce, right? When you read the books of these atheists, right? Uh, Dawkins, Hitchens, Dennett, and all these, you know, kind of people. Now I want you to I want you to think about something else because there's a an article in the New York Times and it's titled The Happiest Places Post the Highest Suicide Rates. Alright? The places which are the happiest, they are posting the highest suicide rates. How does this even make sense? How does it make sense? Right? The places which are which are posting the highest uh, markers of like being happy and content, these same places are posting the highest suicide rates. How does that make sense? So, in in this uh, article, twenty uh, second April two thousand and eleven, and it says here that Ta- Tara Parker Pope discussed research on happiness and suicide. The new findings help to explain what has long been a troubling paradox. This is like a mystery and a, like, you know, it seems like a contradiction. The happiest places in the world 
tend to have the highest suicide rates. Numerous studies have shown that places like Denmark and Sweden that consistently score high on measures of happiness and life satisfaction also have relatively high suicide rates. After analyzing the data, the researchers found a relationship between overall happiness and risk of suicide. Right? In general, states with high levels of life satisfaction had higher suicide rates, according to the report, which has been accepted for publication in the, in the Journal of Economic Behavior and Organization. I mean, look at this. Everything to them is just economies, you know. They're only interested in, in satisfaction, you know, suicide, to, to, to relate it to economic models and behavior. I mean, it's not even, you know, it's, it's, it's all material. It's all materialistic. Um, okay, so that's the basic quote. And um, I want to give you a third quote as well. From, you know, you've heard of Christopher Hitchens. This is another very big atheist who died of esophageal cancer in 2011. And um, basically this man, he, uh, he he's had a few debates, right? He had a debate with a, with a Jewish guy from New York called uh, Shmuley Botich, or how, how, however you pronounce it. And in, in this... Uh, Debate when when Hitchens is speaking, and he's actually mentioned the same the same argument a few times in different lectures, right? So basically, what he's saying is, um, like he's denying a purpose to life, and he's saying that look, in five billion years time, in five billion years time, the scientists are saying that the Andromeda galaxy the Andromeda galaxy, is going to crash with our galaxy. Right? In five billion years time. And because of that, you know, that what have humans got to live for then? If, if you know, that galaxy over there is going to crash with this galaxy and we're going to uh, perish and, and die off anyway. In five billion years time, that is. Right? So can you see this type of pessimism? Pessimism is extreme negativity. Can you see the extent to which these people are taking this extreme pessimism? You know, you know, it's like when you go home tonight, please, I want you to hide under the cover and, you know, be scared that in five billion years time, the Andromeda galaxy is going to crash with, you know, just be scared. And that's how, that's how these people are actually speaking, right? He's brought this up in a debate, not once, because I've, I've listened to it a couple of times, you know, a number of times. So, this, this is like the extreme destructive pessimism that these people of disbelief, that they believe in, and which, you know, their, their, their belief system, it obviously, it, it follows that this is the way you have to think. If there's no meaning to your life, if there's no creation... If there's no creation, first of all, uh, there's no meaning, there's no purpose, there's no wisdom, there's no resurrection, there's no accountability, there's no justice, which you can you can place your, you know, uh, the justice of Allah Azawajal in which you know that you will not be wronged and atoms wait, you know there will be justice, right? If you don't have those beliefs, you will not have any hope, you will not have optimism, and if there is any happiness and satisfaction, it's all on the surface. Like you've, like you've just read, right? The happiest places on earth are the ones with the, which, with the most suicide. And obviously, you know that when they, are, when they are measuring happiness, what do they really mean happiness? They don't mean happiness of the heart, satisfaction of the heart. What they mean is you've got plenty of wealth. You're not living in poverty. You've got the outward kind of, you know, luxuries and things like that that you can you can enjoy. It's all like materialistic, and that, as we know, is not is not true not true happiness, right? So, uh, so clearly, what's happening with these people is that they, as they're going through life and they, 
you know, eating and drinking and sleeping and, you know, having fulfilling their desires in so many different ways. And, you know, over time, it gradually dawns on them that, hang on, uh, if, if there's only matter and there's no meaning or purpose to anything, what really am I doing? You know, it's, you know, once they get sick of like the drinking and the pleasure and, and, you know, and they realize that this is not really pleasure. It's kind of almost like punishment. Once you, once you just engross yourself in it, it no longer becomes like pleasure and fun. It becomes like toil, right? And, and, and then as they start going through life and they start realizing, you know, what, what's going on here? Like there's, there's no meaning to my life. What's, and then slowly the, 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 the end conclusions, the true realities of these philosophies, it kind of strikes them, which is that my life is as meaningful as I've given this example before. Like, you know, you might as well say that you, you have as much meaning in the universe as the feces of a dog. In the scheme of the universe and matter and materialism, and what's the difference between you, you, you and that? There isn't. There isn't. There's no, if you weren't there, it wouldn't make any difference to the universe. And if the dog, the feces of the dog wasn't there, it wouldn't make any difference to the universe. So it, it clicks. Hang on, that my life is as meaningless or as 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 valuable as the feces of a dog. What am I living for? What am I getting up for? And then it clicks to them, and then they realize, you know what, you know. And that's what they do. These people are in Denmark, Sweden, Japan, in most of the atheistic societies, they just commit suicide, you know? Right? So this is the difference between optimism, hope, right? Which comes with creation, purposeful, meaningful, wisdom, absolute justice. And on this side, it's random, undirected, matter, meaningless, purposeless, just pessimism, fear, uh, not fear, I mean lack of certainty, pessimism, despair, right? And and you've seen, um, you know, uh, the extent to which these people are willing to take, you know, it, it's ridiculous the extent to which they they basically uh, take all of that. Anyway, so I, w- I wanted to mention that because, you know, when, when we when we say here, the, the chapter that we are discussing, Al-Hath'ala-Ghidinam-Al-A'mal-Wal-Awqat-Fil-A'mal-Al-Fadila, this is about encouragement. We are, we are encouraging ourselves to make use of one's time in pursuing righteous deeds because deeds are, there are deeds which are rectifying and beneficial and because we have something to look forward to. As Allah says in the Quran, وَتَرْجُونَ مِنَ اللَّهِ مَا لَا يَرْجُونَ وَتَرْجُونَ مِنَ اللَّهِ مَا لَا يَرْجُونَ That you, you, you hope in Allah that which they do not hope. So we have a hope in Allah that the people of disbelief, the people of shirk, that they do not have that hope in Allah. We have a hope in Allah. Which is why, uh, like I said, that the most uh, resilient, the most happy, the most satisfied of of people are Muslims. They are the Muslims. And they are particularly the people of Tawheed amongst them. Right? So I want to begin with, with that introduction, um, so so that we can understand that you know this this uh, thing that we are pursuing, we have hope in Allah, we are optimistic, we know there's going to be justice, we know there's going to be reward, and all of these things give meaning to to, to this life, right? So the Sheikh begins, Hafizullah Taala, by mentioning the verse, Ya ayyuhaladina amanu, Ya ayyuhaladina amnu taqullah. وَلْتَنْظُرْ نَفْسٌ مَا قَدَّمَتْ لِغَدٍ وَاتَّقُوا اللَّهِ إِنَّ اللَّهَ خَبِيرٌ بِمَا تَعْمَلُونَ O oh, you who believe, have taqwa of Allah. Fear Allah, have taqwa of Allah. And let each soul look at what it has sent forth for tomorrow. And fear Allah. Indeed, Allah is well informed of that which you do. Surah Al-Hashr, Surah 57, verse 18. And likewise, so obviously this is clearly an encouragement. An encouragement to prepare for tomorrow. And let each one of us look at what has he sent forward 
of righteous deeds, of, of ikhlas, of iman, ikhlas, righteous deeds, you know, in all the various types and forms. And likewise, Allah the Exalted, He said, Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu, la tulhikum amwalukum, wala awladukum an dhikrillah. O you who believe, do not let your wealth and nor your offspring to divert you from the remembrance of Allah. وَمَنْ يَعْمَلْ ذَلِكَ فَأُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الْخَاسِرُونَ And the one who does that, then they are from the losers. وَأَنْفِقُوا مِمَّا رَزَقَنَاكُمْ مِنْ قَبْلِ أَنْ يَأْتِيَ أَحَدُكُمُ الْمَوْتِ فَيَقُولَ رَبِّي لَوْلَا أَخَّرْتَنِي إِلَىٰ أَجَلٍ قَرِيبٍ فَأَصَّدَّقَ وَأَكُمْ مِنَ الصَّالِحِينَ And Spend from that which we have provided you before there comes to one of you death. Before death comes to one of you. And he says, Oh my Lord, if only you can delay me, if only you can give me some respite, you know, for, for an appointed time, so that I can give charity and that I will be from the righteous people. Right? So this is what a person will say at the point of death. وَلَنْ يُؤَخِّرَ اللَّهُ وَلَنْ يُؤَخِّرَ اللَّهُ نَفْسًا إِذَا جَاءَ أَجَلُهَا وَاللَّهُ خَبِيرٌ بِمَا تَعْمَلُونَ And Allah will never delay a soul when its appointed time comes. And Allah is well informed of that which you do. This is Surah Al-Munafiqoon, chapter 63, verses 9 to 11. So as you can clearly see from these verses, the Shaykh has brought these verses within them, is a strong encouragement and an admonition for a person to look to tomorrow and to see what has he prepared, what has he acquired of, of righteous beneficial deeds, and to be on guard, not to be diverted, neither by wealth, by possessions, nor by his offspring, being preoccupied with his offspring, and, um, you know, to, to spend out of the wealth Allah has given him in, in charity, upon the poor, upon the needy, and so on and so forth, before death comes to him. Because at the point of death, it will be the wish of a person, if only Allah gave me, you know, an extra week, an extra month, an extra year, an extra, you know, uh, period of youth. He, he will ask for that. He will, he will feel like that. So that he can then go back and give the charity he did not give and do the righteous deeds he did not do, so that he can become, you know, uh, I can now become among the righteous. But Allah will never ever delay a soul the, 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 the point, uh, from, from the point of its you know, appointed time. And Allah is all informed of that which He do. So after mentioning these two verses, the Shaykh says, uh, O Muslims, it is related from Ibn Mas'ud, radiallahu anhu, that he said, that he said, إِذَا سَمِعْتَ اللَّهَ تَعَالَى يَقُولُ يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا فَرْعِهَا سَمْعَكْ فَهُوَ خَيْرٌ يَأْمُرُ بِهِ أَوْ شَرٌ يَنْهَا عَنْهُ Ibn Mas'ud said, When you hear Allah the Exalted say, meaning in the Qur'an, يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا when you, when you hear these words, O oh, you who believe, when you hear these words, then, you know, uh, focus your attention. Because it is either going to be some goodness that Allah is going to commend you with, or it is going to be an evil that He is going to prohibit from. Right? So this is Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu. And this is evidence that Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu is among those companions, among the many companions, who they learnt the Qur'an from the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Right? They learned the Quran from the Messenger of Allah. And they learned knowledge. The knowledge they, they, they learned uh, the meaning, the ma'na of its of, of its verses, and they learned acting upon it. They learned both things. What is the meaning and what is the action required from it? And similar to this meaning is what has come from the Tabi'i Abu Ubaid. Uh, sorry, Abdu, uh, Abu Abdurrahman As-Sullami. Abu Abdurrahman As-Sullami, Rahimullah. He said, um, 
حدثنا من كان يقرئنا من أصحاب النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم أنهم كانوا يقترئون من رسول الله عشر آيات فلا يأخذون في العشر الأخرى حتى يعلموا ما في هذه من العلم والعمل قالوا فعلمنا العلم والعمل So this Tabi'i Abu Abdul Rahman Sulami he said that we met with many of the companions of Allah's Messenger and they used to uh, relate to us that they used to listen or hear or take from the Messenger of Allah 10 verses of the Qur'an. 10 verses of the Qur'an. And they would not take another 10 verses until they had learnt what is in this set of 10 verses of knowledge and action. What is in these verses of things that we need to know, things that we need to believe in, and what is in these verses that, that require action from us? What is that action? And they said, in this manner, فَعَلِمْنَا الْإِلْمَ amal. So thus did we acquire knowledge and did we uh, learn action. Right? So this is the way of the companions radiallahu anhum. They take the Qur'an piecemeal, piecemeal, bit by bit, ten verses at a time, not moving on until you've learnt what is the meaning here, what is the knowledge here, what are, what are, what are the rulings, if there is any rulings, um, what are the things that we need to believe in, if there is anything of belief in, relate, in relation to the unseen, to Allah, you know, and, and, uh, and so on and so forth, and what is any action that we need to uh, act upon. So, the Shia continues and he says, uh, that Ibn Mas'ud, radiallahu anhu, he spoke the truth, because the statement of Allah Azawajal, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu, whenever you hear this word in the Qur'an, then you have to, this is a call from Allah, this is Allah calling you, because you are from those who believe, it's directed to you, so therefore you have to give your attention and listen. And the Shaykh says that, a person will find that whenever he listens to these verses, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu, he will find either a command, al-amr bil khair ala umumihi. It will be a command to goodness, like in a general sense, such as preserving the obligations or doing that which is kind of recommended or like a nafal. Or it will be a prohibition from evil in a general sense, from whatever Allah made haram, unlawful, prohibited. And obviously the greatest of that is shirk with Allah and then all of the various other sins and acts of disobedience, right? So, so what the Qur'an is calling us to, is to deeds which are righteous and beneficial, and deeds, and, and prohibiting us from deeds which are uh, harmful and corruption, right? And so this, before we go any further, this now leads me to uh, another point, really an important point, which um, ties into the previous introduction to do with, you know, uh, meaning, purpose, wisdom, you know, in creation, optimism, hope. And on the other side, you know, you have pessimism, despair, you know, right? which, which, is, which is to do with, since we are speaking about actions and deeds and righteous deeds and evil deeds, then what we should know is that... Deeds have qualities and attributes, right? Deeds have qualities and attributes. What is the proof of this? I'm going to give you one or two proofs in the Qur'an. That deeds have properties and attributes. What do we mean by this? Like I can say to you that, you know, this, this paper has, it's, it's soft and malleable, right? It's a property of the paper. Wood has the property of you know, being hard, right? Water has the property of quenching thirst, right? Fire has the property of, of, of burning. Ice has the property of, of being cool. Everything we know phys- physically, right? Things have properties, but do deeds have properties? Can actions have properties? Yes or no? 
Yes. Right? What's what's the evidence for this? I'll give you two evidences from the Quran. The first of them is uh, would be Inna Allah Ya'muru bil adli wal ihsani wa ita'i dhil qurba. Indeed, Allah commands with justice. Commands with justice. And al-ihsan. Al-ihsan is benevolence or excellent benevolence. Wa ita'i dhil qurba. And to give, to give in, in charity, you know, to the one who, who is like a near relative. Right. So here, Allah commands al-adl. That means, that there has to be something which 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 is is uh, you know is is justice. It has to exist first before Allah commands it, right? Which means that there are actions which entail justice, and there are actions which entail al-ihsan, benevolence. So it's very clear. And then he said, "Wayanha anil fahshai wal munkar wal bari," and he prohibits from. Al-Fahsha, evil shameful deeds, shameful deeds. And Al-Munkar, which is evil deeds. And Al-Baghi, Al-Baghi, which is oppression. Right? So these things had to exist first before they are commanded and prohibited. Which means that deeds have properties and qualities, right? Such and such a deed is justice. Such and such a deed is injustice, right? So very, very clear. And um, another another verse as a proof is the statement of Allah Azawajal, يَأْمُرُهُمْ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ يَأْمُرُهُمْ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ وَيَنْهَاهُمْ عَنِ الْمُنْكَرِ وَيُحِلُّ لَهُمُ الطَّيِّبَاتِ وَيُحَرِّمُ عَلِيهِمُ الْخَبَائِثِ There are four things here. Allah he said, He commands them with al-ma'roof. Al-ma'roof. Ma'roof is that which is good. Which means that there already be, already, there has to be already something which is ma'roof, which is good, in the actions and behaviors for Allah to command it. Right? We anhahum anil munkar. Which means that there has to be something which is munkar. It has the quality of being munkar, evil. Before Allah prohibits it. And then He makes lawful for them that which is tayyib. So something already has to have the quality of being tayyib before it is made lawful. And He makes unlawful for them the khabaif. There has to be something which has the quality of being khabif before Allah prohibits it. Right? Right? Now some of these things... Some of these things we can know by way of the fitra and by way of the instinct, right? Some of these things are already known to the human uh, uh, self, to the to, to, to the to the intellect, to the fitra, and that's because Allah has put within the soul وَنَفْسٍ وَمَا سَوَاهَا فَأَلْحَمَهَا فُجُورَهَا وَتَقْوَاهَا In the soul, Allah has put something in there by which it can instinctively recognize that something is right or wrong right i'll give you a few examples this is this applies irrespective of whether you are an atheist a jew a christian a buddhist a hindu a, you know jumara because every soul has been given this this fitra and this kind of you know uh, the, the the this um, inward sense of what is right and wrong right so imagine that um you know, imagine there's a well and, you know, there's a guy, he's, you know, taken, um, you know, put his bucket down and he's taken the well and he's filling it up and he's taken, you know, 30 minutes to, to get water now. And he's going to take it back to his village or his family. And then another guy comes along and he sees what he's done. So he gives him a slap this way and a slap that way and takes his bucket and then off he goes. If you're looking at this situation here, no matter what you are, you could be a Jew, Christian, whatever, you know instinctively this is wrong. This is injustice. This this is theft, and this is you know is injustice. You know this is wrong, right? This is because of the fitra and the, the instinctive, um, you know, like there's there's a certain level of morality that that is common and shared 
by which everybody knows that certain things are wrong and certain things are right and praiseworthy, right? You know that speaking the truth is righteous and praiseworthy. You know that telling lies is wrong and blameworthy, right? You know that adal, justice, to, to, to be just, is praiseworthy and correct. And you know that oppression is, is uh, blameworthy and wrong, right? There are many, many things that we know instinctively, right, that, 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 that are either right or wrong, or beneficial or harmful. So, coming back to the point then, the point being here, that in whatever Allah has commanded and prohibited, and whatever He has made halal and haram, we know that there is, uh, there, there, there is like uh, uh, benefit, and there is wholesomeness, and there is purity on one side, and there is harm and evil and corruption on the other side. Right? There's, there's nothing that the Sharia has come with in which it commands and which it prohibits, except that there is promotion of benefit and rectification on the one side, and the prohibition of corruption and evil and harm on the other side. Right? And in some cases that we... So as we said that deeds have properties, right? There are there are sifat which are attached to to deeds, right? And they have effects. So stealing has something associated with it, and fornication has something associated with it, and zulm has something associated with it, right? And it is prohibited for, you know, for, 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 for the attributes that, that, that it has. And likewise, all the righteous deeds, giving charity and being truthful and establishing justice and, you know, uh, you know, all of these deeds, that there are, there are attributes which are attached to these deeds. So the Sharia, what the Messenger of Allah, what he came with, he came with you know, to, to command those things which, which are wajib and mustahab, which bring about that which is of benefit, right? Which rectify the society. And conversely, he prohibited those things which are corruption and harm and, um, you know, whatever is like that. So, like I said to you before, try tying in the same thing that we said before, as believers, we are people of iman and Allah Azza has created this creation for a purpose. وَمَا خَلَقُتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسَ إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ And, you know, so, so we, 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 we are guided and we know what to expect and we know what the purpose in life is 
And we know that by way of this guidance, by way of the guidance in what is halal and haram, and what is commanded and what is prohibited, that we are able to attain uh, safety and felicity in this life and likewise in the hereafter, right? Our desires and our whims, because Allah has put within us certain, uh, you know, certain uh, qualities, which if they are not regulated, then they will lead to corruption and evil, right? And there's, there's three basic qualities. The first is the power of the intellect. The second is the power of the, the carnal desire, the sexual desire. And the third is the, 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 the anger and discontent, right? This is what Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah says. He mentions the verse in the Qur'an, um, وَلَا يَدْعُونَ مَعَ اللَّهِ إِلَهًا آخَرٍ وَلَا يَقْتُلُونَ النَّفْسَ الَّتِي حَرَّمَ اللَّهُ إِلَّا بِالْحَقِّ وَلَا يَزْنُونَ In this verse, Allah Zul describes three qualities of the believers. First of all, they do not commit shirk with Allah. Secondly, they do not kill a soul without due right. And thirdly, they do not commit illegal sexual intercourse. Right? There are three things here. The, the intellect, the soundness and the power of the intellect the uh, the the power of of anger the feeling of anger and the power of the carnal or sexual desire right in these three things corruption can 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 occur so if you do not have the law the sharia the guidance from allah by which you know by way of what allah commanded by way of what he prohibited then you will not remain in check. You will not. You will not remain within the confines of of what is beneficial and rectifying, right? And obviously, because we believe in Allah, we believe in the last day, we believe in accountability, and we, you know, all of those things. This is why we worship only Allah, and we do not transgress against the soul, the extreme limit of which is to kill a soul beyond you without you right and nor do we commit a fall into illegal sexual intercourse because these are these are when the the, the, the these uh, affairs when they when when you transgress you know and and they go beyond the limits so the reason why i mentioned this the reason why i mentioned this i'm trying to tie all of this in uh, together inshallah is that if you remember early earlier that we mentioned about the these atheists and these you know, nihilists and existentialists, when you look at these people and you look at their, mo- their main uh, figureheads, their leaders, their philosophers, the ones who are writing the books, the ones who are propounding the ideas, and you look into their personal lives, you will see that they are the most vile, generally the most vile, the most corruptive, the most exploitative people that you that you ever know right jean paul sartre you know a serial pedophile you know you know uh, engaged you know in basically exploiting girls right albert camus likewise another filthy individual right and and you start looking at these people and you start because if you've got nothing to live for and there's no meaning and there's no purpose in life and you've got to create your own meaning then that's what these, these, these philosophers do. They just create their own meaning to life and they think, yes, life is just all about pleasure and this and exploiting people. It doesn't matter, you know, if you exploit these, 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 these kids, whatever. It's a learning lesson for them and they'll be better in life for it. Do you understand? Right? So the point being that, uh, these people, when, when they have this pessimistic, negative, bleak outlook in life, then it means you have to go and you have to create your own purpose. And you have to create your own truth. And this means that you will then transgress in the intellect. In intellect. Sound intellect is tawheed, right? Creation has a purpose. There is meaning and wisdom. There's intentionality in what we see. There's a creator behind it. And we ought to worship him and be grateful for the bounties and favors. This is sound intellect. 
And corrupt intellect is all of this like materialism, evolution, Darwinism, all this. This is a corruption of the intellect, right? It's a deviation from the intellect. Because it's a misuse of the of the intellect, right? That's that's the first thing. And then you go beyond, you transgress in terms of like controlling your anger. So there you have murder, right? You know, you 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 know that's why you see in generally atheistic societies and atheistic like you know because they don't value life you will see the greatest mass murder like in history like you see in uh, Russian communism and Chinese communism and generally in those societies you tend to see this type of mass slaughter of, of people because there's, there's no meaning of value to life right so they will then transgress this second kind of uh, quality which is in humans of, of the anger and then likewise, carnal desire, sexual desire, you will see them transgress in that as well. That's why you see all of these kind of secular, liberal societies like you see in France and you see in all these other places, like, like the uh, Scandinavian countries, you know, uh, you see promotion of all of this, uh, uh, you know, filth and uh, extramarital relations and, and fornication and every type of filth and transgression you can think of, right? When... When, when um, you know, you don't do not have guidance and you do not have um, a meaning and purpose in life. So coming all the way back, Allah Azawajal when He says, "Ya ladina amanu," or you who believe, it is either a command that we are being given of something that is good, beneficial, wholesome, rectifying to you, to your heart, to your soul to your family, to the society, or it is going to be a prohibition of something that is evil, corrupt, harmful, right? That's going to be harmful for you. So this is why the believer, he listens very, very carefully when he when he hears uh, these, you know, whenever he hears these words. And so the shaykh continues and he says that when Allah addresses you, or people of Iman, you know, from the believing men and the believing women, there is a wisdom behind this. There's a, there's a wisdom in this for you. And this wisdom requires that a believing man or woman, he is very, very quick in responding to Allah and His Messenger. You, you, you respond very, very quickly to Allah and His Messenger. And you respond very quickly in believing the reports. And this will then bring you closer to Allah Azawajal. You know, this is, he's describing the attitude and the quality of a believer. This is how it is, right? That you respond sincerely and quickly and you uh, do what he commanded, you keep away from what he prohibited. And um, this is very different to the people of hypocrisy, the munafiqoon, because even though outwardly they might do the same things that we do, they might pray, they might fast, they might respond to the Quran in different ways, but inwardly, inwardly it's disbelief, right? The only reason why they are believing is because they want to protect their worldly interests, which they would otherwise lose. So they're just making this dissimulation and display of iman outwardly, whereas inwardly they are concealing disbelief. But they do the same things that we do outwardly. Whereas the believer is doing them sincerely, uh, seeking the, the pleasure and the reward from Allah. And he also knows that these things which he's being told to do and commanded to do, that they are actually beneficial. That there's something beneficial behind them, right? So in other words, we don't believe that we're just blindly doing actions and it's only obedience that counts. Do you understand? This is one of the, the false understandings that often the people of disbelief and the atheist materialists they have that oh it's just blind obedience you're just doing these ritual actions and there's no meaning behind it and it's just no like we said before every action has attributes actions have qualities that's why they are commanded and prohibited it is because something is ma'roof good why Allah commanded it it already has the quality of being ma'roof right it's why Allah has prohibited something um you know, from the things he prohibited. Because there's something inherently uh, harmful in that thing, like like the flesh of the pig, for example. Or like alcohol, for example, because it befogs the mind. And it leads to harm and destruction in society, right? So the commands and prohibitions are not just 
a command and a prohibition in and of itself. Rather, it is tied to things which which have actual properties and qualities associated with them. Right? Whether they are physical things like alcohol, the flesh of a pig, or whether it is actions or deeds that we do, like stealing or sexual relations outside of marriage, and so on and so forth. Right? These things, they have qualities attached to them, and they have an impact on society, upon the individual, upon the society. And that's why they are either commanded or they are prohibited. Right? So all of it, there, there, there is truth and there is, there is justice and there is wisdom in all of this. It's not like what the, what the kuffar and the mulhideen, what they say, is just blind following and, you know, you just ritual obedience. And there's no, no, of course not. There's no such thing. And what more evidence do you need? What more evidence do you need than, you know, uh, the fact that in your societies you have all this suicide and you have, like we discussed earlier on, you're sick of life, obviously. You're happy about something, but clearly it can't be true happiness because otherwise you wouldn't be taking your life, like what we read earlier on from the from that news report. And likewise, those who are the most charitable basically are, are, tend to be the, the Muslims, most charitable in giving charity. Uh, those who are the most resilient in calamity, obviously they are they are the Muslims. Those who have the the Basically, um, who who maintain their um, you know their uh, sorry their um, you know they, they don't lose their mind. Their mind is not befogged. The largest number of collective people are Muslims, right? Chinese are drinking. You know, um, all of these other nations are drinking and you know driving on the roads, killing people, or beating their wives. You know, in a drunken state, or you know, Liverpool lost the match. You know, and they come home and just bash the wife. You know, and just kill you. The the you know, this is what you see in these societies. We don't have that among the Muslims. We don't have that among the Muslims, right? That means that what the Sharia is commanding us and prohibiting us, it has fruits, it has benefits. So it can't obviously just be you're just blindly following the command, you know, no meaning behind it. No, of course not, of course not. Evidence shows otherwise, right? The, the, the reality show otherwise. So, so this is why we are mentioning all of these things and tying them together, uh, is to show that we as people of Iman, when we listen to Allah and His call in the Qur'an, we know it's going to be either a command that He's going to give us, which is going to be beneficial, or it's going to be a prohibition, which we know is something that's going to be harmful. Right? And it's from sound reason, sound intellect, that you rush and you hasten to uh, follow and to comply those, you know, to, to those things. And then, we, inshallah, we, we're coming, we'll round this up, inshallah ta'ala. The Shaykh mentions that the two verses that we mentioned at the beginning, the two verses, right? O you who believe, Ya ayyuhalladheena amnuttaqullah, those verses that we mentioned, he says there are a number of two benefits that we can take from these verses. The first is an encouragement in preparing for the final day. And this encouragement, what does it mean? It means that you have to strive and make jihad against your own soul. You make jihad against your own soul in trying to do every act of obedience and abandoning every act of disobedience, right? So see how the believer, what, the way we look at things is that we, we have an optimistic outlook. We are looking in, you know, for the final day. We are trying to accrue good deeds. These deeds are beneficial rectifying deeds. And we see this as an issue of Fighting against the soul, fighting against its whims. Why? Because within the soul, there is there is you know a tendency towards evil. You know, there's a tendency to deviate from sound reason. There's a tendency to be overtaken by anger. There's a tendency to be overtaken by one's impulses and carnal desires. We know this is the nature, right? So we see it as a matter of fighting against the soul. In obedience to Allah and, and leaving what is, you know, 
This is how we view things, right? Because we are preparing for the hereafter. And this is very different to, like I said, to, to the atheists, nihilists, existentialists. Why? Because to them, the only truth is what you make to be the truth. You understand? So for example, if you are someone like Jean-Paul Sartre and you think, well, my truth in life is going to be exploiting young girls for you know sexual pleasure or whatever, and that's what I'm going to pursue, and that's my philosophy, and that's what you're going to see. And if you are someone who basically wants power at any cost, and you're willing to kill thousands or millions of people, well, that's what you're going to pursue. That's what you're going to pursue. It's not a matter of fighting against your soul. You're not going to fight against your soul. You're going to go with where your soul is going to take you. Right? And, you know, and so on and so forth. So the believer, it is a matter of fighting against the soul. And for these other people, it is a matter of following the whims of the soul. Different. Right? And that's because they have pessimism, a bleak outlook, you know, uh, like we mentioned before. So the Sheikh then continues and he says, the greatest preparation a person can make uh, for meeting Allah is tahqiq al-tawheed. It is to actualize tawheed. Right? It is to worship Allah with sincerity, to follow and imitate His Messenger of Allah Sallallahu And, uh, you know, th- th- this means uh, that a person has to acquire knowledge and abide by the commands and the prohibitions. Right, so this is the first thing that we take from these verses. The second thing that we take from these verses is clearly these verses indicate that you must use your time wisely and you must benefit from whatever time you have in whatever is going to bring benefit to you. Right, You have a limited lifespan. It's a, a few short decades and that's it, you're going to reach into old age. And, you know, you have very limited time in which to acquire good deeds because, you know, in life you are pursuing livelihood, you know, you, you, you are raising children, you are pursuing education, you are pursuing work, you are, there's all sorts of things you're doing. And within that is when you have the, the chance and the opportunity to acquire Good deeds. So these verses, they are an admonition to use your time wisely. To use your time for benefit. And um, that's why in the verses, يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمُنُوا اتَّقُوا اللَّهِ وَالْتَنْظُرْ نَفْسٌ مَا قَدَّمَتْ لِغَدْ Let each soul look at what it has prepared for tomorrow. يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا لَا تُلْهِكُمْ أَمْوَالُكُمْ وَلَا أَوْلَادُكُمْ عَنْ ذِكْرِ اللَّهِ Or you who believe, do not let your wealth and your offspring divert you from the remembrance of Allah Azza wa Jal. So, a believer, the Shaykh says, فَمَا مِنْ مُسْلِمٍ وَلَا مُسْلِمَةٍ كَانَ كَيِّسًا فَطَنًا عَاقِلًا مُدْرِكًا إِلَّا وَهُوَ يُذْهِرُ لَهُ ذَلِكَ that there is no Muslim man or woman who is intelligent, astute, you know, smart, perceptive, except that uh, except that this becomes apparent to him. This is apparent to everybody, right? That you have to use your time wisely to acquire uh, good deeds, and um, you know, not not to be diverted by neither wealth nor your children nor any other kinds of preoccupations. So what we'll do, we've come we've come halfway into the lecture, inshallah. What we'll do is we'll stop at this point and then we'll continue and finish off the rest of the the lecture, inshallah ta'ala. The Sheikh mentioned some ahadith in this regard. So we'll go through them in the next lecture, inshallah. Just to summarize then, the lecture is about using your time wisely to acquire good deeds, beneficial deeds. And we as people of belief, people of Iman, we believe in Allah, we believe in the last day, we believe in accountability, we believe that there's a meaning and purpose to this life, and there's wisdom, and there's purpose, and because of that, we as believers, we have something to look forward to, right? We hope in Allah, and we believe in the last day, and we know there is going to be justice. And so therefore, 
In this life, we gladly and with pleasure and joy, we seek to do righteous deeds. We get pleasure out of giving charity. We get pleasure out of establishing the prayer. We get pleasure out of enjoying the good and prohibiting the evil. We get pleasure and satisfaction out of uh, doing dhikr, remembering Allah Right? This is the true satisfaction of the heart. As opposed to the people of disbelief, materialism and atheism, you've already read and seen, you've seen already, how the most happy societies, apparently happy, they have the most suicide rates. Denmark, Sweden, you know, places like that. Because they measure happiness just with material benefits and material pleasures. This is this is happiness to them. And that's why, you know, they say it's a paradox. How can we explain these people are so happy, great jobs, you know, uh, you know, they're, they're affluent and they, they have pleasures and whatever, yet they're committing suicide. It's because they don't know what true happiness really is. Right? True happiness is with the dhikr of Allah, the remembrance of Allah. Right? Verily, by the remembrance of Allah do the hearts find satisfaction. So those people, they have nothing to look forward to. It's all pessimism. It's bleak. It's dark. It's black. It's gloomy. There's no meaning to your life. There's, there's no purpose behind your actions. Why are you doing what you're doing? Well, if ultimately what's going to happen is that this galaxy is going to perish and, you know, uh, as they say. Right? So alhamdulillah, we, 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 we listen to these ayat and we are encouraged by these ayat and we know that in doing good deeds and pursuing good deeds, this is how we live a, like we said in the previous lessons, al-hayatu tayyibah. This is the goodly life. This is the life, the true life that gives you true life, true happiness, true satisfaction. So inshallah, we'll, we'll continue uh, in the next lesson with the rest of the texts mentioned by the Shaykh with that we'll conclude today. Walhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.